Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, where we are your weekly therapy session or, I don't know, your nightclub celebrating a great week of selling. And uh, I'm bringing back, uh, a, I think, my first repeat guest outside of, you know, Mark and Tom. They're on repeatedly. But uh, I brought John Sequera back because I think, John, you and I, the last time we got chatting about you know, some of the 9-11 stuff, we never really got to a, a few topics. And I wanted you to come back and talk a little bit about conversational discovery. So, John, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's so so good to have you. And I know, uh, you know, here as we head into summer, um, you know, we should really talk about the most important aspect of the show first, which is really the uh, the beverage that you've got in your hand. So why don't you tell us what you got there? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm a little, I don't know, reluctant to share this uh, because it, it, it exposes some of my insecurity and or vanity, but uh, <laughs> beach season is beach season is coming up and, uh, and, and, and I'm trying to get in, uh, in above average shape for me. So I am drinking Michelob Ultra. It is uh, a macro brew. You may have heard of it. It uh, has uh, as few carbs as possible. And so it's the, it's the non-beer beer. And so that's what I'm drinking. I thought about coming up with a, a lie, but, uh, but you know what? Let's just lean into the truth. That is exactly what I'm drinking. I think the truth is, as I've said on this show many times, much easier to remember. So I, I support complete truth. Um, and it's by the way. It's easy to remember. It's easy to remember, but, but easier, also easier to get ridiculed. Well, so, and I don't uh, think so here we know. go. Not by me. It's you're on one of my favorites. That's the what was the old um, was it Schlitz or I forget who had it in the seventies. The one beer to have when you're having more than one. You know, Ooh, I, I like that. I think Michelob Ultra might be that for me now. If I'm gonna have a few, I'm gonna have those um, because yeah. they, um, they're not they're not gonna fill you up, and you're not gonna get overly. Um, rambunctious if that makes sense <laughs> that's the definition of of what i've learned uh to be labeled as session ipas if you're going to drink a real a real beer there's a sect of ipas that are called session ipas and they're they're lower in alcohol and therefore named session because it's the beer that is designed for if you're going to really buckle in there and you make go. it all happen but you don't want to lose your job or your relationships in the process and so uh, that's the session IPA. I, I wish I wish there was as uh, as unique and notable a, uh, a a kind of category for the Michelob Ultra. But you know what? The beer the beer to have when you're having more than one. Let's I love it. it. I love it. Well, I'm going to do something kind of springy, um, and you know I think probably going to be pretty tasty. I've not had this before. It's a Fat Bottom Brewing Company Wallflower. Okay. Spring saison, if I'm saying that properly. I think there may be a little French influence into this beer. Yeah, it it is. It is. Yeah. That's what if you want to be a, a nerd about it, uh saison yeah. is the uh what kind of the more provincial country oriented style brew from French countryside. I love it. So that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, the description I know a lot of, of this a lot about beer. Okay. Yeah. This is a fruit forward seasonal beer offered only from March to May. It's like, like I said, out of Nashville. Uh, yeah. It pours pink and orange and carries notes of pear, giving it a refreshing sweetness that covers wonderfully. So 6.4 on the ABV. You're not going to be having too many of these if you want to keep those relationships healthy and holistic. Let's crack this. Well, good. You only have so much time if we're, we're getting towards the end of May. So, uh, exactly. 
So better enjoy while you can. Ooh, listen to that pour. That that's uh, that's looking good there. I see the pink. Yeah, there we go. See? All right. Well, as we um, you know, we sip slowly here. Let's talk about a, a really interesting topic, in my judgment, which is you know a lot of sales reps. Um, they have this this method of discovery that that can almost feel like interrogation, right? You've got this list mm -hmm. of questions you know you have to answer to be able to figure out if this is an account you should be working with, right? And and so what what I want to focus on today with John is with you, John, is really conversational discovery, where it doesn't feel like an interrogation. It feels like a caring conversation to uncover you know, the if and when we should work together and what your problems are as a customer that my company might be able to solve. So, you know, John, start us off with sort of a definition, if you will, of, of you know, how you leverage conversational discovery to get things started. Yeah. So, so if I'm going to look at a definition of conversa conversational discovery, it's the process of a conversation that ultimately gets the person you're talking to to reveal honest feelings and opinions. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we talk about the idea of you can, you know, we can sell on logic, but the reality is we make emotional decisions and we justify them with logical alibis. So emotions got to be there. And so yeah. when, when we, when we get too heavy into you know, too logical of a, of a set of discovery, uh, usually around kind of features and benefits, trying to figure out what we should sell them. Uh, what ultimately ends up happening is you, you're able as a salesperson to build a logical case, right? Based on what you said, this makes the most sense. But the reality is if we're going to get people really engaged, we need to have honest feelings and opinions exposed. And, and the only way to do that is to have a method of discovery, a method of a conversation that, that makes everyone comfortable and, and drives that level of receptivity where you can actually get information, get opinions that you might otherwise miss if you're just going down a linear uh, discovery path. So that's, that's where I would land as the, as the definition and kind of the, the difference. We find a lot of, I find a lot of uh, salespeople live in the mode of discovery being either kind of pre-qualification. It's the salesperson trying to figure out, do I, do I want to work with you? Are you good enough for me? That's that budget, you know, your band, budget, uh, authority, need, and, and timeline. Uh, and then they'll rush specific, you know, to the solution. Well, what is it that we really need to sell you? And that leaves a big old gap that, um, that, that uh, you know, is, is left untouched that otherwise would drive a level of customer intimacy with the, with the interaction. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that definition. I mean, it's because receptivity is something that we focus so heavily on in our own, in our own company and in, in those that we work with. Um, I do think, I, I think it kind of comes up almost in every week on the, on, on these episodes and you've touched on how important, you know, as much as you need to get information out of your client to help them, to be able to do that in sort of the most human and interactive way where it feels more like uh, a conversation versus, you know, the interrogation. That is, that is exactly, uh, you know, what I think we need to be helping these folks with that are listening on the line. So, you know, John, you've, you've, you've been at this, uh, this game for such a long time. Um, do you have examples of, you know, 
where you've used, you know, conversational discovery and it's, it's succeeded. And maybe, you know, then we can kind of talk about maybe times where you've skipped a step or two and, and maybe that didn't work out so well, you know, maybe, maybe giving yeah. some, some examples. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, gosh, when I, when I think about the key elements of conversational discovery, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really not too different than the keys to driving receptivity in every one of the steps. And it's, it's around being other centered and removing the inherent tension in a sales conversation by dropping the rope. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, when I look at being other centered, you know, I, I've, I have to go into this conversation with a full awareness of how my presence, not my solution, but how me as a person, my presence might help the person I'm talking to. And, and, and in order to do that, I have to start way before I get to my solution uh, and figuring out if that solution is crafted well for them. But I need to start with you know, what, what ultimate problem are they trying to figure out and where are they in how they want to do this, how they, how they slice and dice a potential, uh, a potential issue. And then as I'm going through those conversations, that conversation, uh, each of those questions need to ha needs to have and other centered reason attached to it, particularly where uh, I might be getting information that could be sensitive in nature. What's the budget? What's your political structure? How do you get things like this approved? Uh, those start getting into sensitive areas where uh, if there's not a reason why that customer knows it's in their best interest to answer that question, they're likely to, to clam up. Uh, you know, the other, the other side is, Hey, being aware that as I go through discovery, uh, I might land on some, uh, sensitive subject matter and mm. ensuring that I articulate that I respect that person's right to choose to work with us, to move forward, or even in, in the intra conversational flow to answer some of the questions that I might ask. And so those are the two key elements. When I, when I think of a scenario where that's worked particularly well, uh, I'll go to a, a, a large pharmaceutical organization and uh, the initial interactions being with a key stakeholder, a key decision maker who at the time wasn't really sure that training was the answer. They, yeah. the, uh, this person uh, uh, came to my attention through downloading a, a white paper that we had put out on uh, you know, an ad placement in that white paper indicated maybe some interest in talking about how training would, would solve a, uh, a sales problem. But candidly, it was really more of an information gathering. And so our initial conversations started with just the, the premise of, uh, hey, we work with a lot of organizations that look like you, uh, a series of different problems. I, I proposed a couple of them so that I could go first and show that I know a little bit about this industry. Mm. But I stepped back and, and really uh, prefaced the conversation with, you know, the purpose of this conversation is to get a sense of what brought you to this subject matter, where you're specifically trying to improve some uh, communications within your sales organization and to see where we can help. And through that conversation, we, we landed on the, the fact that uh, there, was, there was a transition in the business, they had grown through acquisition, they were trying to align uh, messaging of different uh, legacy uh, reps from different legacy organizations 
um, you know, trying to merge that communication flow to be number one, consistent, but also number two, to uh, demonstrate the value of their premium price solution. Yeah. Uh, and and their, their idea was, hey, if we're gonna be the, the more premium price solution, we need to justify that pricing, not just from the value of our product, but even in the value, the inherent value of our interactions. And so that was the problem they were trying to solve. And, uh, and, and our discovery moved down the path, not of, you know, let me, let me ask you questions about what training you've done so far, but really to back up into what's the compelling event, who else recognizes this, what have you thought about addressing? What's your, what's your level of priority on something like this? What resources do you have, even in human capital resources, not just budget? And what's the best way for me to help you, uh, you know, gather support uh, within your, your network of stakeholders to figure out if this is a problem you want to solve before we even get to a point of, of determining what the method of solving that problem might be? And so that started the tone of our discovery, and uh, and candidly, that that discovery was over several interactions, probably six to ten interactions over a six to eight month period, where you know every conversation was really more about what has been happening politically, what's you know where what other resources do you have that might be able to solve this problem internally, and you know what's the best way for me to help you determine what your method of solving this is. And then we even land, you know, we, we progressed into what's the best method once you've determined that training might be a, a part of the recipe, uh, what's the best method for you to vet out training vendors. And, and we went as far as uh, my advising him on, on how you might look at the landscape of training vendors, which is, which is robust. And, uh, and so that was the, me- that was the method of, discovery that always had at the forefront, how do I help you solve the problem that you have? And, and how do I help guide you towards the different levels of, of solving that problem? And you know, you know what I love about that story is, first of all, I think just so people know, I mean, your background is in these heavy, heavy sort of consulting you know, we're selling, you know, more of that consultant servicey kind of thing. And there might be people listening that are more in a transactional, they may sell widgets and, and, and hardware and maybe some software. But I think what you're talking about really can apply across the boat, whether it's, it's a, you know, a sell cycle that's, that's, you know, a week or, you know, nine months, like some of ours can be, right? Um, it's mm-hmm. important to know that these steps are, are useful in any one of those types of sell cycles. I think the more complicated the sell cycle, maybe the longer your discovery process might be. Is, which is what you just said, maybe over several interactions, not over just a couple. And so, um, you know, this is, this is super useful uh, for, for any type of sales rep and even the leaders that are on listening uh, to try to help their reps. I think uh, there's some great tools and things you can take from, from John's experience. And by the way, John's, John's got, you know, thousands of customer interactions, hundreds of clients that he's talked to over the years that are helping formulate this. And, and that's, that's why we chose him as an expert on this subject. Uh, if I didn't say that in the beginning. Now, John, we know that, you know, life is not a uh, bed of roses, right? There's, there's times when even the best plan <laughs> can, can kind of uh, 
fall apart in the heat of battle. Uh, what let's let's talk about maybe a time when when things didn't go as smoothly that you didn't use the process and you 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 weren't as other centered as you could be and, and, and maybe that how that led to, you know, an outcome that wasn't exactly what you would hope for. Yeah. Uh, there are some of those, I don't know how much time we have here, but I feel like uh, we just only, I think if you're, you're asking me to pick one, uh, you know, one, one comes to mind and this is representative of what happens with me. And, and I see this with other sales reps. Uh, you know, if we're talking about discovery, uh, I know I get into trouble when the person I'm talking to seems to have a request that fits in my mind exactly with what I have. Yeah. And so this might be a request where I happen on, uh, upon someone who says, you know what, we do need training and we have money for it. And I say, great. Or they come after me and say, Hey, I want to learn about your training. And what, what, happens in those scenarios, and I'm picking one, is uh, I, I, you know, I've gone down the path of because everything seems so aligned, my discovery does jump directly to, well, what's the best way to figure out what you need, and let's go into this method, and then, and it's really, it, it, it becomes solution discovery rather than problem discovery, and yes. uh, you know, one particular example I can think of is, is one in which uh, I was pursued, you know, from someone who said, Hey, someone, you know, we, we know some people who have gone through your training. They like it. We need training. Let's go down the path. And I skipped a step and I didn't back up into, well, hold on a second. Why do you even need training? And why is training important now? And what ultimate business problem are you trying to figure out? And oh, by the way, what does this mean for you personally in this win? Uh, you know, because it seemed like such a layup, uh, I skipped the step that, that, you know, I would train, you know, time and time again. And, and so, you know, sometimes there's a cobbler with holes in their shoes and that scenario is one in which I, I did not take my own medicine. So and, so, and and ultimately what happened is that person got their answer. They seemed aligned, but, uh, but, but, ultimately when when they went to go present the options uh there was there was another solution that was chosen by someone above and beyond that that person and i was unaware of the political structure in general it just seemed too easy or it seemed easy enough to where i didn't really back into what are the compelling events and how do you how do you plan on making these decisions and who all's involved and should we interact with them we yeah. lost over all of that and we ultimately ended up you know losing the deal well, and, and it's, it's interesting because there's, there's no sales process or selling process or, or, or method for, you know, interpersonal communication that is, that is completely bulletproof. But, you know, one thing that we've noticed over the, you know, 20 plus years of, of helping customers the way you and, and our founders have been doing it is that you give yourself a much better chance of success if you really kind of stick to that other centered approach and making sure that every step of the process, you're really focused on the other person and, you know, not and, and completely resist that, that uh, I guess, you know, God given birthright of selfishly moving into <laughs> solution mode. Yeah. That all of us want to do, right. It's how we're born. We're, we're, we default to self and, and that's where we want to go. And it's always resisting and making sure you focus on them, the other person 
or the client in this case that we uh, we wind up winning. So, John, um, you know, any any other pearls of wisdom before we uh, we we wrap up another uh, episode here? Anything else that uh, the the group listening in might be able to benefit from? Uh, yeah, it's it's really to, to make all of this conversation into a succinct point, uh, and it's the concept of when you're going through discovery or when you're, gosh, any, any part of the sales conversation, your ability to hone in on and potentially solve the customer's problem are always going to be more compelling and interesting uh, than what your solution is. Right. Yeah. The why and what are we solving is way more interesting in, in to the customer than you know the way you go about doing it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's a great summary um, of of the topic itself. And so, you know, John, thanks so much for coming again. We definitely want to continue to have you and and others back that that have so much history and so many great stories and uh, and points that that folks can learn from. Uh, when they're having a good week or a bad week, these are all valuable lessons for anybody that sells or leads sellers for a living. So thanks again, John Sequeira, for joining us. Uh, today we talked about conversational discovery, really, you know, avoiding that interrogation type of, you know, yeah, you can ask open-ended questions and fire away, but if you're not focused on the other person, on their uh, desires, what's important to them, what they're trying to accomplish, uh, you, you really risk moving into solution mode before you completely understand the problem. And we would encourage you to focus on that. Focus on the problem you want to solve, not the solution for as long as humanly possible. And make sure every question you ask starts with why that person, it's in their best interest to answer that question. And I think if you do those things, you'll find your way into conversational discovery, which we believe has a much more... Uh, positive and, and potential for a solid impact on, uh, on your clients and, and thus on your sales funnel. So we've, uh, we've enjoyed being with you again for another week of Ales with Aslan. Please enjoy the beer and have a great weekend, everybody.